The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain but to put days like today into context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Don't you just want to cut and run after a hideous day like today where the Dow plunged 943 points? S&P plummeted 3.53%. Sell, 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 sell. And the Nasdaq nosedive 3.73%. Wouldn't it be liberating? to dump the whole shoot match, cash in your IRA, take down your stock exposure, your 401k, hey, maybe sell S&P 500 index funds to preserve some cash, perfectly sensible emotion. Sure, but that's the problem. Emotions. Whether you're trading or investing, you can't afford to make decisions based on your feelings. When you sell something just to make the pain go away, I mean, you want to banish the pain. I totally get that. The house of pain. You're probably making a mistake. Look, after tsunami of selling, sell, 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 like sell, we sell. had today, I'm not asking you to stand there and let the wave crush you, nor am I telling you to try to surf it, although I'm sure there are some hedge fund managers who can actually pull that off. I'm simply asking you not to panic because nobody ever made a dime panicking. Believe me, I know from experience, I've been doing this for 40 years, and I'm not exactly a calm guy. Don't know if you notice that. But every time I panic, it costs me money, and I often end up beating myself up maybe a week or even a day later. In four decades, I can only remember one moment when panic was actually a viable strategy, and that was the financial crisis. Even then, panic selling only worked if you were nimble enough to get back in a few months later. That's why in the fall of 2008, I made a rare sell-everything call. At the time, the financial system was collapsing, and no one in the government understood the severity of the crisis. Saved people a lot of money. And we got back in on the fabled Haynes Bottom, the incredible call to get back into the stock market, made by my late friend, CBC legend Mark Haynes. However, 2020 is not 20, oh, 2008. No, not 2008 at all. 
Admittedly, there is a confluence of horrors. We've got a runaway pandemic clobbering hospitality, travel, leisure, aircraft, hotels. We've got an election, though, unlike 2008. This one's very tough to game. Thanks to the election, we don't have a stimulus safety net because the Democrats and Republicans refuse to compete and cooperate at the same time. But this is not a sell-everything moment. How do I know? Okay, well, let me give you the drill. It's kind of like when a quarterback trying to figure out how to stop the defense from sacking him and still get the ball off. First, you ask yourself, why is the market as a whole going down? Got to have a thesis, a worldview. Right now, it's because COVID has gotten out of control worldwide. So Europe's going back into lockdown. The United States might not be far behind. In other words, it feels a little like March, right? When practically everyone on Wall Street panicked and scared the market into a bottom. A lot of them came on TV, which they hadn't. Of course, it's not really like March. There's less panic, in part because the lockdown thesis doesn't really hold water this time. Whether or not it makes sense to shut everything down, very few states have the political will to go through that again. Sure, the bars and restaurants and schools might even close, but states literally can't afford to shut down everything. They desperately need the tax revenue. On the other hand, at least in the spring, we had a stimulus package. If you lost your job, the government effectively paid you to stay home. That was somewhat the point. Slow it down. This time, we're taking what I call the blood simple approach. Down here, you're on your own. Second, we try to figure out which sectors deserve to get hit by this kind of meltdown and which ones don't. Given that it's earnings season, we actually got a good handle on this. We know that a lack of economic activity will send interest rates lower, which means you can't bottom fish in the banks. We know there will be less demand for oil, so that group remains uninvestable. We're not quite sure if we're headed for a recession because a lot of that depends on the election. I think we're going to get a stimulus package eventually, so maybe you can't buy those stay-at-home food and drug stocks, right? And you probably get something in January or February. So what does that leave us? And by the way, those other stocks could come into vogue, and I'll tell you if they do. Well, it leaves us with the five bull markets I have flagged repeatedly and then summarized on Monday so you'd be ready for this decline. The ones that don't need a healthy COVID-free economy to make you money. Yeah, but after that first leg down, we drew up this shopping list so you'd have something to buy, not sell, into weakness. Force yourself. Strap yourself to the mast. In other words, we put it together for days like today. First bull market, 5G. We know that this new ultra-fast wireless technology cannot be stopped by the pandemic or by dysfunctional Congress or White House. It's too strong. That means you should be prepared to buy something linked to 5G. I like Marvell Tech, just reported a great number. I like Broadcom, just reported a great number. I like Qualcomm. Second bull market is digitization. Last night, we got results from one of the largest companies on Earth. This is Microsoft. Every line item from gaming to Windows to LinkedIn to their cloud business, Azure, was extraordinary. But Microsoft's predictably cautious and brilliant CFO, Amy Hood, whom I've known for a couple decades, chose not to present a forecast that was raised dramatically. Why not? I don't know. I trust Hood's judgment. Maybe she wants to underpromise and overdeliver. Maybe she was being prudent. Honestly, you know what? I don't care. What matters is that Microsoft doesn't need travel spending or a stimulus bill or give an election outcome to beat the numbers. We saw that. All day I heard people complaining that they can't deliver. I wanted to ask them, did you even listen to the conference call? Is it too boring for you? Did you have something else to do? Microsoft shot the lights out. I think you should buy it now before the bears actually read the transcript and figure out what went right. Honestly, did anyone read this stuff? I mean, I know my life's miserable because I read it. It took me about 70, took me about 70 minutes to get to the end of the thing. That's all right. It's what I do. Speaking of digitization, Pinterest blew the doors off tonight. I remain a huge believer in social media, as you know, as the best way for advertisers to reach kids of the digital age who cut the cord, never cord, and all that other cord stuff. Bull market number three is hygiene. There are some of the most straightforward COVID winners out there, yet they got hammered today. Procter & Gamble reported amazing numbers, down more than 3%. Clorox reports next week. This is a company that's synonymous with lockdowns, which is why it was down just 2%. Hey, how about a special situation I've been talking about? El Brands. Owns a phenomenally consistent bath and body works. Sweet smelling, clean, lucrative. 
Bull market number four, home renovation. Doesn't stop. Masco just reported an amazing number, earning $1.04. Stupid's looking for 78 cents. Masco's all about cabinets and faucets, yet the stock was barely up today. I mean, Masco. <laughs> They're giving it to you. They're giving it to you. Hey, you know, been waiting to get into the Home Depot? Oh, now you're running from it, right? To, to the 2.6% pullback that scares you, right? Wrong. There's nothing wrong there. Lowe's is doing its own renovation. I'd like to see it a tad lower before I pound the, pound the table. Wait, Walmart never comes down, but now it's coming down. Ooh, keep you away from Walmart. Final bull market, autos. Then thanks to the pandemic, no one feels safe using mass transit or even carpooling. Plus, millions of people no longer need to go to the office. And boy, whoever, they're really not going to the office now. Uh, they're leaving the cities for the suburbs, the exurbs, whatever they call it these days. It's created a bull market in autos. Now, you got the beaten down Ford, which reported terrific upside surprises Friday night. And I bet the first of many by new CEO and car guy, Jim Farley. Now, he is not going to, to tout his to this one. He knows it's too early, but I like the bottom that's forming. I want to buy my wife a, an F-150 for her birthday next week because, heck, sharing is caring. Now, you got Tesla. You can do that one. Hey, how about Lithium Motors? Live. We had them on last week. I thought they held a pretty good tail. That stock's way down, 55 points. Now, of course, you don't have to do anything here. That's always an option. You can simply sit tight and wait for a bounce, at which point you might want to sell some stock to raise capital for the next beatdown. It's fine with me. But here's the bottom line. If you want to be psychologically prepared for days like today, you got to have that shopping list because the market throws a sale just when you, well, least expect it. You can't rummage without a game plan. Too much chance you'll end up buying the wrong thing. So please, if you're worried that stocks will keep getting hammered, be ready to pounce on some of these COVID-proof bull marks rather than saying, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. You know what? And by the way, I'll keep you on top of all of these bull markets so you know you're not alone. Jim in Florida, Jim. Jim, I've been watching your show since your days with Larry Kudlow and since 2005. I just love your style of educational entertainment. Uh, you know, you change lives and lifestyles. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, Long I, day. I need that. Thank you. Well, you know, I just want to wonder, where do you get all your energy? I mean, what do you eat for breakfast? <laughs> um, I usually have three pieces of Melba toast. You're kidding me. Well, no, I've always hated it. That's why I only can eat three. Well, I wish I knew the secret to your energy, but uh, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Uh, well, I, I sleep on Tuesday nights now. For years, I chose not to sleep on Tuesday night. Give me an extra jump on a lot of people. And I get up at 3.30 because my critics get up at 4. Let's wow. make some money together. You're amazing. Anyway, my question is about the Dollar General. Uh, it's, I think it's situated well for this volatile market and a possible recession ahead. They have more than 16,000 stores across the country, and I've been traveling around the country Everywhere you go, on every street corner, in every two-horse town, even where they don't even have a gas station, they've got a Dollar General. And that's um, why, Jim, Dollar General is the right stock to buy in this decline. I just I mentioned Walmart, but you know what? Dollar General is doing fantastic. And remember, they were an essential, essential, deemed essential during the last lockdown. I think you got a great idea. Thank you for those kind comments. Paul, in Arizona, Paul. Hey, Jim. First-time caller, long-time listener. First-time, long-time. Anyway, um, I've got a complicated question for you, so to speak. All right. Uh, with the volatility of the market, and I took a huge loss this week, and the um, uncertainty and turbulence of the election, would you say that what would be a point when you would say, go to cash? Well, look, I mean, you know, when the market goes down, it does actually get cheaper. 
Uh, you take the United Parcel tonight, okay? Everyone thought the United Parcel was going to be an unbelievable quarter. It was. But Carol Tomei, the new CEO, did not raise numbers. So people thought this was going to go to 200. Now that they see it's not going to 200, they're willing to sell it down to what, 150, 145? You, you run from sales? No, you go to sales. That's the kind of example of what I use because a stock that gets cheaper of a franchise that's great, it's what we're looking to buy, not sell. Let's go to Mario in New York. Mario. Mario? You know what? We're also, we don't even need Mario. We'll go right to Michael in Florida. I love Mario. Nothing against him. Let's go to Michael in Florida. Michael. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. I'm a very long-time viewer and first-time caller. I'm calling about Starwood Property Trust, sticker SDWD. Yes. I own the stock for the total shareholder return, not solely for the dividend. On his second quarter call, the CEO, Barry Sternlock, implied he was considering lowering the dividend. Yes. But to date, the dividend has remained unchanged, and the stock yields 13%. What are your thoughts on the Well, first of all, of Barry company? is an honorable, terrific man. Second, he's in a very, very hard business. He reminds me very much of Don Wood of Federal Realty. They're just sticking by their guns here. But I will tell you this. When I see a yield that high... I, nine times out of ten, it is unsustainable. Uh, not unlike ET the other day. I don't know if you saw that where the ET phoned home its dividend. So I think that what you want to do is be prepared if that happens. Because in the end, Barry Sternlich is a good steward of capital. And that yield means the dividend or distribution may be too high. All right, look, I know the market's guy tough. I mean, I get it. Well, here's what I'm trying to get you to not do. Why? Because I've done it. It doesn't work. Instead, how about thinking about some high-quality companies whose stocks are coming down, but the franchise is very much intact. Like tonight, when you listen in, you hear a couple of them that I think are really special. Mad Money tonight, Bed Bath & Beyond just laid out its next round of plans over all the business, but of course people hated it because it was that kind of day. I'm going to sit down with the CEO and actually find out what happened. UPS, moving more packages than ever. Why is the stock tumbling here? Well, maybe people got too excited. But maybe that's your chance. I've got this with the CEO. And then here's what you don't have to panic about. SoFi, first ever credit card, but it's private. Hey, how about that stadium? Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On still one more rough day for the averages, one of the year's best comeback stories was taken to the woodshed. I'm talking about Bed Bath & Beyond, BBBY, the home goods retailer with a stock that has surged from less than $4 at its March lows all the way to 26 at its highest last week. Under the leadership of a new CEO, Bed Bath had finally gotten its house in order, and the company's benefited enormously from the stay-at-home economy because people were stuck at home on a remodel. But Bed Bath held an Investor Day event today where management gave bullish guidance, yet the stock got crushed. It's down 3 bucks, 12%. Why? Well, some of it's just bad timing. I mean, suddenly everybody's freaking out again about the latest COVID spike, possibly another lockdown. Some of it's because the stock had run up dramatically, pretty much doubling in less than two months. And don't forget, the shorts come in and bank things down occasionally. Investors might also want to be wary that the company plans to start repurchasing large amounts of stock again. Now, this company's previous management had a bad track record of burning cash and short-sighted buybacks. Make no mistake, though, this company's doing better than it was, oh, man, last year. Don't take it from me. Let's check in with Mark Tritton. He's the president and CEO of Bed Bath & on, who's orchestrated an incredible turnaround in a very quick time. I love it. Mark, welcome back to Bed Bunny. Hi, Jim. How are you? All right. Now, Thank look, you so I, much. You buried the lead. I'm going through the deck, and it's a long deck. Holy cow, it's war and peace. And on page 139, it says momentum has continued in September and October, mid-single-digit comps. That is incredible for, for uh, Bed Bath. How are you doing it? You know what? I think the strategies that we deployed in Q2, we've been consistent with that and we're doubling down on them. And the customer is falling in love with it. I think the, the rationalized promotions, I think clear everyday value, being in stock of the right items and really using our omni always approach with digital first, applying it to curbside pickup and now same day. That's the magic for us uh, in Q3 so far. You need to spend money on technology. You said it today. And yet at the same time, you're buying back stock. Uh, are you generating that much cash to do that? Because you know the company's management previous to you, that's what they did instead of doing the things that you've been doing. Yeah, look, I mean, we are generating the cash and we have an incredibly liquid position of over $2 billion. So we think this is the right time to invest in the shares. But more importantly, it's after we've looked at how do we double down on investments across the board. We had not in the past, as we kind of opened up the manifesto and read, as we all did, and then we all looked at the business when we were in the management team, we could see that there was a lack of key investment in technology supply chain stores and assortment. And so this plan really outlines uh, an immediate movement to invest for our future, to not just survive but thrive. So technology, supply chain, stores, uh, digital, and product all getting a major makeover and investment that's going to accelerate that growth. 
Okay, uh, one of the things that I, I, when you rummage around the, uh, let's say, the Bed Bath Beyond uh, ship manifesto, you come across <laughs> Bye Bye Baby. And now, I, I see this thing back of the envelope, growing uh, 50% in five years. I'm looking at 15 to 25% annually. I think you, do, you can do it. And if I give that a 10 multiple, I don't know, does I get pretty much half of the company's worth? You know what? I think that we see uh, growth in every sector. And, and I think it's not just from mastering the fundamentals in all of the banners, but also where can we see rapid growth? And baby is definitely one of those areas. We see that when we operate in a given marketplace, we're number one in that market, whether it's registry or sales. But we're only about 127 stores uh, and we have a strong digital presence. How do we explode that? How do we develop that business and penetrate more deeply for market share growth? I think it's a huge opportunity for us. All right. Now, uh, I'm still getting coupons, but I don't seem to be getting them with the same frequency. Deliberate? You know what? Slightly, but I want to kind of allay any fears here. Coupons are not going away. We love the coupon. We're just learning to use it more strategically and more profitably in our business. We know it's a competitive advantage for both our customer and us as a, a business. And we want to deploy it rationally. So what you saw in Q2 was a more strategic use of the coupon, targeting the customers the most motivates in the right products at the right time. And in doing so, we saved promotional dollars, but actually generated more sales. And we think this is an opportunity as we move forward in this all-important holiday period to double down on a different strategic intent. Coupons, yes. How we use them, different. Loyalty? You know, that's a big unpack for us, and it's an unpack for us in a multiple way, not just a bed, bath, and beyond, but think about connecting the data sets that we have in Bye Bye Baby, Harmon, Deck, so bed, bath, and beyond, to create a new network. Cindy Davis, our new chief brand officer, is currently scrubbing through the opportunity, and we're going to be A-B testing in the new year with a new loyalty program expected in 2021. I think it's a big opportunity for us. We already have 37 million guests who love us. We're acquiring new customers. How do we reward and retain them for the future? It's a really important strategy. Okay, Mark, uh, I know Harmon sometimes seems like an asterisk or an afterthought, but I happen to love it. Love going with my daughter. In, in a time of a pandemic uh, where I care, where cleanliness is godliness, not even next to it, and hygiene, could you make that place over a little more so that when I walk in, I have on the left wall, rather than all the little mini travel things, because no one's going anywhere, my friend, that you just <laughs> literally have everything I need to make my house clean. Yeah, you know what? We we definitely see that opportunity at Jurijigit based on knowing the COVID moment, but um, our data set, what we're learning through insights. And we find that this, this business actually inside Bed Bath & Beyond and separately, it's a great traffic driver. It creates frequency. It creates basket bill. We just haven't thought about how to use it strategically in the shopper's journey and how our customers need these products in their lives, where to place them in store, to your point. We're overhauling all of that with our new, new story model which we're going to do over 150 just next year and over 450 in the next three years. So that's exciting. All right. Now, you, you were pretty bullish about the consumer in general going into the holiday season. Uh, what makes you so upbeat? You know, I think that there's going to be tentativeness from the customer across the board. But what we see is the home sector is really strong at the moment. And customers really want to have a Thanksgiving moment and a holiday moment that is special. They don't want to trade down on that. We've seen the research. And they want to have that moment at home. Might be smaller groups, might be more, um, more of those groups occurring than in the past instead of large family gatherings. But this is where families need to come together. 
And we see that not only for those moments, but the gift-giving moment being about purposeful gifting. People so, not spending a lot on travel, as you talked about, where they're going to spend their money. We believe it's on the home. One last question. I want to be sure. You said they don't want to trade down. And yet at the same time, you are doing an aggressive private label mission here. Is yours going to be higher end? No, it's actually going to be in the middle of the market. But the ah. important part about that is, is that we're actually going to add in uh, opening price point and value price point. We've been completely missing that from our right. assortment and really lacking the appropriate authority. When we talk about adding value and price, we're going to be able to engineer into it with own brand, but also create great differentiated uh, product assortments in that middle market as well. So really double dipping there. Excellent. Mark Trudin, congratulations on a very successful analyst meeting. The stock itself ran into it. That is not the way to grade what you're doing. I grade what you're doing by the numbers, and they are excellent. Thank you so much for coming on Man More Money. To come. All right. Thanks, BB- Jim. Thank you. BBBY down big. Why? Because it was up big. It's the type of thing that fits all the stuff I talked about at the top of the show. You cannot let the stock price dictate your thinking. You should let the numbers and the CEO dictate your thinking. Mark Tritton, President CEO, Bed Bath Beyond. We have money's back here for the break. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Days like today, with the Dow down almost a cool thousand points, you got to keep your eyes open because this kind of sell-off creates opportunities. Take United Parcel. The whole market's rolling over because COVID's out of control, but UPS actually benefits from the pandemic. In fact, they did support a fabulous quarter this morning. It didn't matter. Stock plunged 15 points, nearly 9% today. What happened? Okay, even though United Parcel delivered a huge top and bottom line beat, Wall Street freaked out when management declined to give forward guidance for the fourth quarter and talked about some business-to-business margin pressure. And, of course, wow, I mean, the stock has soared. I think you got to treat this as a buying opportunity in part because earlier this year, UPS brought in a new CEO. Her name is Carol Tomei. She's formerly the bankable CFO of Home Depot. And I think she's exactly what this company needs. So let's go straight to the source and check in with Carol Tomei, the new CEO of United Parcel, to hear more about the quarter and her vision. Ms. Tomei, welcome back to Mad Money. It's so great to be here. Thank you for inviting me to join you today. All right, Carol. You know, it's funny. I saw the stock down. I said, I know Carol Tomei. She's probably the most long-term thinker that Home Depot ever had, cares about demographics, looks at multi-year moves. And I imagine that this was just a speed bump to the stock, and you're not even focused on it. you got so much to do at UPS. You know, Jim, I joined the company because I see a company with such an amazing history 
and even a brighter future. So today is just a day. We're looking ahead about what we're doing to lean into a different customer experience because the world around us is changing. What got us here isn't going to get us to where we need to be, and we're leaning into a new experience, and we're looking ahead. Better, not bigger? Better, not bigger. What does it mean? Well, it's really all about optimizing our end-to-end network and serving the customers in the way that they want to be served. In the past, we've poured a lot of capital into uh, our company, but really haven't gotten the returns off of the capital that our shareholders deserve. So we're going to sweat the assets a bit. We're going to sweat all that capital that we've put into the business and deliver a better customer experience by getting paid for the end-to-end network that we offer. Okay, you know, one of the things that uh, you, you're a very transparent person and a rigorous person, I found in the middle of the comp school, you started talking about how you're going as a software as a service experience rather than developing your own technology. Did you really develop your own technology previously? I mean, that's not the way to go. We, we did. We had a history of developing our own technology. And get this, until this year, we only did one release per year. So now we've moved to continuous release. So we're moving to a digital factory, actually, from a technology perspective. Technology is eating the world, and our customers want a digital experience. So we're leaning into that in a big way. And over, uh, because of the way it's uh, divided month to month, I think that it's actually going to be, uh, it's going to expand your gross margin, which is what some people were worried about today. They seem they missed that point. Yeah, look, this is a big company to turn. We have over 525,000 UPSers. We operate in 220 countries around the world. But as we think about our business, we think we have opportunities to move the margin in the right direction, reversing the downward trend that we've experienced over the past several years. And we're going to do that by leaning into the customer experience, by simplifying our business, by eliminating redundant tasks that are creating no value for the customer, and making sure that we get the right returns on the capital that we invest. I am used to your company coming out in mid-December and telling me you're going to miss the quarters. A pre-announcement saying, listen, we didn't expect this level of demand. Can you tell me that you at least have a plan to not do that again? So we're planning a pretty peaky peak. And peak is so important to our customers that we've been planning for this for months. Listen to what we've done. We've leased 14 new aircraft. We've added 5 million of more square feet. We've added 400,000 of automated sort packaging uh, process capabilities. We've added 2,700 new package car locations. We are hiring 100,000 people to manage peak. We are ready for the volume that's going to come our way. Like we don't that. expect to be issuing any warning. Yes, yes, that's what will make this stock great. And make, them, of course, the company's already great. Now, I, you're a great teacher. You always have been. So I've learned a new term. You've always taught me freezer farm. Yeah, freezer farms. Well, that's part of our healthcare logistics. You know, when you think about healthcare logistics at UPS, think about it as being a network inside a network. We operate about 128 facilities in 32 different countries around the world. To manage this important uh, part of the distribution network, it's really not about a package. It's about a 
patient. And because it's about a patient, many of the medicines, vaccines, uh, clinical trials that are being uh, sent across our network need to be chilled. So we have two freezer farms, uh, one in Louisville, Kentucky, and one in Venlo, the Netherlands. These freezer farms hold freezers that can go anywhere from negative 20 to negative 80 Celsius. This is super important for maintaining the health of the product that they're carrying. Also in these freezer farms, we have the ability to manufacture dry ice, which is important for packaging the vaccines and other medicines and such that will be transported across our network. Okay, uh, is that a lucrative business or is that just something you do? Well, it's something we should do. We have a responsibility to do this, but it also is a very profitable business. At the same time, I know UPS from uh, kids in in my town. UPS, you know, there's 100,000 people you put to work. You have provided more jobs to younger people in many towns. Will that continue, or is that something that was wasteful? No, we're all about job creation here. But it is about bigger jobs, okay. bigger and more impactful jobs. All right, that's important. Now, on your conference call, at one point the CFO was very blunt and talked about how some of these business-to-business businesses aren't making you enough money. And you, can, you can't make it up by just doing a health care and auto. What do you do when there's actual businesses that can't go your way because of a pandemic? Well, we've got to manage the network. You know, there's, there's a capacity constraint in the industry today, regardless of the supply chain that you're running. And so if we caught all the revenue that was coming our way, our customer service wouldn't be where it needs to be. And we would have some chaos cost in our, in our business. So we're trying to avoid that. We're actually controlling the volume that we are taking into our network by working hand-in-hand with our customers. And just going back to peak, you know, this mm-hmm. is a very peaky peak. It's really the 80-20 rule when we think about peak over 300 of our customers make up 80% of our peak volume. So we're working hand-in-hand with those customers, developing daily forecasts so that we can ensure that they have the best service and we have the best financial results coming off of that service. All right, last question, Carol. Uh, A lot of people know Home Depot is a machine. They don't remember that it used to miss quarters. They don't remember that it wasn't in touch with the customer the way it should be. They don't remember that it didn't necessarily have the right technology. Where is your Transformation 2? you got Transformation 3 coming. You said that a lot of things were on the table except for five agreed-upon principles. Where is United Parcel versus Home Depot in the transformation? We're just getting started. We are an opportunity-rich company. Wow. You know what? I'm going to leave it at that. Carol Tomei, CEO of UPS. It is always great to see you, and best of luck for the Peaky Peak. Thank you. I know you won't need it. That's the great thing. She doesn't need luck to make the numbers. Their money's back into the break. The banks, along with most of the larger market data, are in the doghouse right now because of the pandemic. But you know what? The big money center, well, they've been dead money for years, in part because they're all under siege with smaller, more nimble financial technology plays trying to muscle in on their turf and succeeding. Just look at Square or PayPal or say SoFi, the privately held personalized online banking play. 
that's revolutionizing the entire industry. Subway's been able to take share because they do things a little differently, meaning they're very aggressive about operating in their customers' best interest. For example, today we learned it, that SoFi is launching its first ever credit card, except the whole product is designed around helping people pay down debt rather than tricking them into accumulating more debt. And that's why this company's number eight on CNBC's Disruptor 50 rankings. Let's take a closer look with Anthony Noto. He's the CEO of SoFi, longtime friend of the show. Mr. Noto, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Anthony, your customers are smart people, and they know how to Google things, and they know how to shop, and they're proud of their research. And I think when they look at credit cards and do the research, I think they feel scolded. Is that why you came up with a credit card that is really about paying down the debt? That's right. We're trying to help people get their money right, whether it's with SoFi Money, SoFi Invest, or now SoFi Credit Card. We're providing 2% unlimited cash back when they redeem to pay down their student loan or personal loan, or they redeem into SoFi money and into SoFi Invest. So it's, it's a great way for them to improve their lives every time they swipe the card. So they're really in the journey. They do a student loan demand. They get at their own job. They get credit. They get your credit card, but they don't overextend themselves because you help them actually stay on the game. We, we've taken a membership approach. We want to be there for every moment in a member's life when they're making key financial decisions so that we can always help them get their money right, whether it's insurance, investing, taking out a loan for a house, student loan, or using a credit card. Um, and so our objective here really completes that complete suite of products for financial products that are right on your fingertips with your phone. So you can do direct deposit with SoFi money. You can use a SoFi credit card and at the same time get 2% back every time you spend to put into that money account or to invest in fractional shares. Now, you do something that I think is people don't realize you didn't mention yet. Bitcoin. Uh, I know people who are uh, fixated on Bitcoin and they tend to be younger people, Anthony, and they know a lot. They know a lot more than we did. OK, how is that working with crypto? You know, it's doing quite well. When we launched SoFi Invest, we wanted to give people one spot they could buy stocks without commissions, fractional shares, our own ETFs, including the recently launched TGIF ETF, robo-advisory, and cryptocurrency. Having all the assets in one account is very differentiated because it also gives you information and really understanding what the choices are for out there from investing. And so we just launched social investing so you can follow my portfolio or anyone else's on the platform that is allowed following. Cryptocurrency is one of the asset classes people should think about. It is very risky. We actually provide a risk statement every time someone goes to buy Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies that we provide because we want to make sure they understand the risks of that asset class. It should be one in a very small piece of your overall investment portfolio if it's right for you. I uh, recently had a seminar for Robinhood, the uh, the charity kind, okay, uh, with some very smart people at major firms and the uh, the consensus around the table was the younger people, when they do options, they actually know far more than you think. They're much more educated about the risks, and they're constantly being denigrated as like people who came in like 1999-2000. Anthony, can you verify that your customers are a lot smarter than, the, than we were 20 years ago? Yeah, our investors are novice or new investors, but they are highly educated, and they have questions they want answered. We provide free certified financial planners for them at their fingertips on their phone to answer any questions that they have. We've seen a huge uptake in fractional shares, 35% of the trades that we do are in fractional shares. So these new and novice investors, they're really looking at opportunities to drive diversification in their portfolio, making sure they're not allocating too much to one security. Fractional shares is one way to do that. And we see great behaviors from them. Well, that's fabulous. They're getting Amazon. 
They're, 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 they're getting Shopify if they want that kind of risk. They're buying stocks that have been out of reach because the companies don't split. That's exactly right. So if they only want to invest $1,000, they can buy pieces of, of 10 different stocks or 100 different stocks in fractional shares as opposed to having to spend it all on one share. Um, we also actually launched an ETF with 500 stocks that's around a $10 price point, again, allowing them to invest as little as they want in a diversified portfolio and to do it on a recurring basis, which we also provide the capabilities to do. That's fabulous. Now, I watched the game this weekend. I don't remember. It was a beatdown. But the one thing I do recall is there was, it was in SoFi Stadium. It was rather incredible. It was mesmerizing. I mean, that was just a real good idea that you have two NFL teams who play there. Did you know about the about the Super Bowl coming? I mean, did you think about all these things when you decided to put your name on one of the most beautiful creations I've ever seen? We absolutely did. Uh, the partnership is really about leveraging the awareness and credibility and the popularity of a household brand like the National Football League, the Los Angeles Rams, and obviously the, the Chargers. Um, having a game on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon as well as Monday night gives us national exposure. Really important on our strategy to become a household brand name to increase the awareness of SoFi so people trust us and they feel comfortable when we offer new products like today's credit card. Uh, so we were well aware of the fact there'd be two teams there, 20 games a year in addition to the Olympics, as well as a number of other events like the NCAA championship, um, major concert events. Um, and we see it as an iconic destination for all live entertainment and sports. So we really look forward to getting through a very challenging time in the world uh, with the stadiums open to, to fans and they can enjoy just the great phenomenal stadium that Stan Kroenke and his team built um, that really is going to be special. All right. Thank you. And you know, the Army Navy game, not in Philadelphia this year. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Jim. Thank you. First time since World War II. Anthony Noto, veteran, served our country. Great banker at Goldman, worked at the NFL, and now CEO of SoFi. Thank you so much, Anthony. Good to see you. Thanks, Jim. Great seeing you as well. Mad Money's back here for the break. It is time! It's time for the night real quick. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy, cover the lightning round. Why don't we start with Dave? Oh, Dave in Illinois. Dave. Dr. Kramer, we know you like several companies in this, the medical device space. And so today is five. Please update us on Dexcom. You know, I was working on Dexcom thinking, well, what is it? Is it because because the new uh, new Libra version of Abbott, Dave, which you know because you're from Chicago, uh, is that hurting their business? But you know what? At this point, down another 30 today, down to 349. Let's start a position in Dexcom if we haven't owned it. Get them on. They always have a good story to tell. I'm going to uh, NJ. Oh, doesn't have to call me NJ. NJ in Indiana. NJ. Hi, Jim. First time caller. I just have to first thank you. I, after listening to you yesterday, I went ahead and bought Ford and Pinterest today, and I'm just smiling at what's You bought Pinterest today? today? Please, can I quickly get Here, you should be my co-host. NIU. It's a, um, a company that makes uh, electric scooters. You know what? It is actually, they make the scooters for everybody. <laughs> it, it's a good company. Now, you know I'm only recommending uh, Alibaba. I like Baidu, and I like JD. I have to do more work in NYU, NIU, but I know that they are the premier scooter maker. Let's go to Parveen in Pennsylvania. Parveen. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. I must compliment you on your in-depth knowledge of so many companies, my friend. You are terrific. 
Jeez, My thank you. is on Guido. You know, I, I like the diagnostic segment so much, whether it be Thermo Fisher, how great are they? Uh, you know what? I'm going to put exact sciences in that after Conroy did that incredible buy. And I think Quinell is good. I think you've got a winner. I like that stock. I'm not done. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to, to um, the volunteer state. Let's go to Devin in Tennessee. Devin. Hey, Jim. Big booyah from Nashville, Tennessee. Go Titans. Hey, I'm. Yeah, that's right. I uh, need him. I got, I got t- Tannehill's my quarterback. He only gave me 17 last week. What was that about? Oh, off topic. Go I'm ahead. I'm sure, sorry. I'm missed out on uh, Derrick Henry. Um, I'm calling in about a stock that uh, IPO'd last May at 1060. Quickly ran up 104% over the next two this months, getting a 50, <laughs> yeah. 52 high week of 29 a share. Uh, since July, it's fallen all the way back to sub-15. With all the talk and legalized gambling, uh, I'm wondering if GAN limited. I can't figure this one out. I know you're talking about because I am deep in with this bull market fantasy show that I have. I am deep in trying to figure out how big this is. Uh, I cannot tell you whether I have to do a piece about this one. I don't know. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. I'm hearing a lot of people fret about what happens to the economy if we have to go back into lockdown. But you know what? Maybe we should spend a lot more time worrying about the actual virus. Let's be clear. The United States has repeatedly failed to contain COVID-19. We have consistently underestimated the dangers of the pandemic. Sure, it's not as deadly as it was six months ago, but it's still incredibly dangerous, infectious. When cases spike spike above 70,000 like they have, you have to expect a spike in deaths to follow over the next couple of weeks. And look, even if you survive, millions of people have serious long-term health problems. We're talking about major organ damage. Why did we fail? Because the federal government effectively abdicated responsibility. Other countries have found ways to contain this virus, mandatory masks, social distancing, contact tracing, quarantining. They've worked miracles in Asia where governments took COVID seriously. But here in America... We barely use that toolkit, at least not nationally. Frankly, it feels like the White House disdains masks and social distancing. Hey, signs of weakness, I guess. That turned out to be a huge mistake. If we'd bitten the bullet and really enforced this stuff, we could be pretty much back to normal, like Singapore. No COVID in Singapore or South Korea or even our sworn opponent, China. The insistence by some people that it's all a big joke, often stated in my Twitter feed, frankly, absolutely sickens me. I know journalists are supposed to be impartial all our lives, right? But I think we should impartially embrace public health which is why I've spent so much of my time on xprize.org slash masks. That is a nonprofit initiative to get young people involved in designing masks that are more enticing. I'm just a guy on basic cable, but I can't stand by and do nothing. Watch everybody die. You get sick. It's crazy. This is a worldwide crisis, just like Depression or World War II. We all must do our part regardless of our profession or pastime, even if it's just to sign up for a vaccine trial. What else? You'll hear that we have experimental drugs that can beat this thing, which is absolutely true. Regeneron's got a terrific monoclonal antibody cocktail, the one the president got, and it can get, help people get out of the hospital much faster. When Regeneron's drug is approved, it will help some people, but they can't make enough on their own to be a game changer, not with more than 70,000 new cases per day. If the government took the pandemic seriously, they'd be building gigantic factories all over America to help produce these therapeutics in scale. The fact that this isn't happening is a disgrace. 
We need to put ourselves on a wartime footing to beat COVID. And when you're at war, the government spends a fortune making munitions. You can't spend enough. Of course, eventually we'll get a vaccine, but even a good vaccine might not last very long. I mean, look, I don't think one's going to last more than three months. So you have to take one every three months. Uh, maybe something else will go wrong. You can't just assume the vaccine will solve everything like we do. Every time we've made up optimistic assumptions about the pandemic, have you noticed it ends badly? Let's stop making that mistake. Finally, as someone who owns a now closed bar where I laid off people, I think it's important to keep them closed. Keep them close until we figure out how to solve this viral load problem that we didn't even know about. See, this virus is an aerosol. Think about it like secondhand smoke. When you have a smoker in the back of your bar, you may not initially be able to smell it in the front. But as the smoke increases, everybody gets exposed. Just like smoke, the virus lingers in the air. We didn't know that. And that's why bars, restaurants are too dangerous to be open. When you go to a bar, you're not wearing a mask. You're drinking and yelling, which means if you got COVID, you're giving it to everybody all over the place, which is what happens when these super spreader events occur, where one person infects a whole room in the same room. It isn't like they, one person talked to everybody. But even with this latest outbreak, we still have states where bars are open. We need to shut them down. Federal government now. Too risky. Look, the tragedy is we could have beaten this thing. Apple and Google put together a brilliant contact tracing system. Oh, but that requires you giving personal information to the authorities. People care about privacy. We don't have a mask mandate. Oh, they look really ugly. They're hot. They, I don't know, they fog your glasses. We have whole states that seem to think that masks aren't important. Uh, they're getting crushed by COVID, those states. Well, how do you like that? In short, we're still not treating COVID with enough respect, which is why it's winning. And it'll keep winning until our country collectively decides to take the pandemic seriously. For now, though, it feels like Washington is totally abdicated responsibility. And until that changes, you should brace yourself for more days like today that we had in the market. I like to say there's always a bull market summer. I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.